We are back with another episode of the Curtain Call Podcast, a production of the Yes Network. He's John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle. Our great producer, Dan Bassone, is with us as well. If you are a subscriber to the podcast, we welcome you back to Curtain Call. Thanks for being a subscriber. If you are not yet a subscriber, head on over to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Hit the subscribe button so you get the Curtain Call podcast in your feed. John, we are recording this on the day that pitchers and catchers report for the Yankees. Aaron Boone at his first media session of the season with reporters. And I calculated it, which is dangerous because I'm terrible at math. So this is inexact here. But I believe this was the first of 392 sessions with the media that Aaron Boone will go through between now and September 29th. Do you think... That he has that number in his head. Like he goes into his office and just checks off one off the chalkboard. Yeah, I hope not because that's just, that's not the way to go about it. The way to go about <laughs> it is just, you know, take it for what it is. Sometimes it's, uh, some days you're the pigeon and some days you're the statue. You know, some days are better than others. Some days things work out really well and some days things are a little less than well. It's the nature of the sport. It's the nature of the business. And uh, But he's an experienced pro. He's been around long enough in the media as well. So he understands what the whole process is about. And I think he's... Uh, I think he's uh, got it down to a science, I think. And he'll be, uh, you know, I think the Yankees are going to have a good season. I, I really do. I think uh, they're going to be... Uh, they're going to be a force. I've been calculating this, and we'll talk about it in a little while. But I, I, I like the team as it's constructed right now. But there are a lot of there are some caveats, and we'll get into that too. We sure will. Uh, for those of you out there wondering how the heck do you get to three hundred ninety-two? Well, the manager speaks before and after every regular season game. There's also twenty-nine spring training games in which he speaks before and after, and then before all that, when the time period we're in right now, he speaks with the media. Uh, daily for the 10 days leading up to the first spring game, which, by the way, will be airing on, yes, February 25th at George M. Steinbrenner Field. So we're going to get into some topics that relates to the start of spring training, John. But I've had this question for you on my mind for a couple of days here. Uh, Save for the final few minutes and uh, the, the overtime. So final few minutes of fourth quarter and overtime was the Super Bowl in Vegas as boring in person as it was on TV. Yes, it was worse. I mean, I it was it was not a uh, it was not a, uh, a riveting first half. It was rather uh, 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 anticlimactic. I mean, a pretty good way of putting it. It was just it just there was no. I mean, the 49ers played reasonably well. The Chiefs played miserably, I thought, in the first half. I thought they were just, they were just, they've been making mistake after mistake. And uh, the 49ers had a chance to maybe put a little distance between them and the Chiefs. They really weren't able to do it. They they moved the ball almost at will, but has been the, the, the case with the Chief defense the whole year. And actually the first last few years, they bend a lot, but they don't break. They give up yards. They do. They they have big plays, but they don't give up scoring plays, and that's the thing that makes them a great defense. And uh, Spagnola, who's uh, the the uh, defensive coordinator, is among the elite uh, defensive coordinators in, in football. He's a great. He's, he was an okay head coach, not a great head coach, but he's a great defensive coordinator, and his game plan was actually really quite quite good. And he they 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 held. They did what they needed to do until Mahomes could get them on track. And he is he is he is. There's no question. He's the he's the best player in the game. You know, I, you know, to say he's Brady, well, Brady did it 
well, how many times? Six, seven times, whatever he did it. And then Mahomes is now going to three, but but he's he's a force and he's just a great player. And uh, he put that team on his back. He willed them to victory is what he did. It was incredible to watch. He's not even 30 yet, correct? No, he's 28, I think. He's 28, yeah. I mean, uh, getting ready for this podcast and just discussing the Super Bowl, I was thinking like by the time the annual Filippelli trip to the Super Bowl is is in the books. Is it going to be more synonymous with Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes? Well, I don't know how many more Super Bowls I'm going to go to, to be honest with you. So that's hard to say in terms of that trip. But I will say that uh, when this is all said and done, I mean, it's hard It's hard to keep a team around. Even a great quarterback needs a team. He needs players around mm-hmm. him. They have some really good players around him. But he is certainly the linchpin of the team. And but he's got listen they they've they've got the three of they've won three or four Super Bowls, you know they've been in what have they been in like five AFC championship games and they've been in uh, you know four Super Bowls or something maybe it's been six AFC championship games and four Super Bowls but but they're three and one in Super Bowls and, and he's been the MVP three times so he's got a chance to I mean, he's already he's already cemented he's already in uh, in Canton he's already gotten in the Hall of Fame I mean uh, he's had a great career already. You don't win three Super Bowls. Very few. You win one. It's considered an accomplishment. Two. They usually get a court. Usually gets a quarterback in the Hall of Fame. How about three? Three times the MVP. He's a showman. He's just. He's a great player. He just wills his team. Puts it on his back. He gets it done with his legs and his arm. He's an incredible player. It was incredible to watch. And I kept saying to my kids, who said to me, "Dad, do you think the 49ers have?" I said, "The Chiefs are going to win the game." I said it all along. I didn't deviate. Even when they were losing the first time, I said, "Chiefs are going to win the game." Mm-hmm. They're gonna win because Mahomes will find a way to make them win. That's who they are. And Purdy was good. Purdy put up a good. I thought he put up a good show. I think he was great. I think he was good. He was he was good, but he wasn't great. And at the end, he showed that he didn't have the experience to sort of do what Mahomes was capable of doing. And no, I don't think anybody can play like Mahomes. That's the way I feel about it. And now it's back to back titles for the Chiefs. They are a full fledged dynasty. They they win the championships, not just get to consecutive AFC championship games. They go out, they win titles, already three for Mahomes. And I tell you what, uh, a three-peat, obviously very much uh, in vision for that organization. It would be the first time what in in, in North American professional sports since the, the Yankees in the late 90s where you could be looking at a three-peat. Am I missing anybody? The Patriots didn't do a three-peat, did they? No, no nobody's done a no. three-peat. I mean, so, it's funny because the, the, you know, the Chiefs won Super Bowl four. And then they went like what fifty years between appearances, and then they won. Then they won like uh, you know uh, three or four. So you know it's amazing what they've been able to do. And Andy Reid is a great coach too. He's a really good coach, and uh, you know uh, you know Kelsey's a really good tight end, and and uh, the defensive lineman is great. He's gonna be a free agent. I, uh, he's awesome. He's a, the, the, the defensive end is just great. I forget his name, but uh, I'm playing on it. But uh, he's a great player, and he's gonna be a free agent. And that's a player they really need to keep. But but that's another story. They, they've got a lot of talent. And the kicker is great. The kicker is is was the different. I I, uh, I don't make a lot of. I'm not a person who bets. I just don't. Just not what I do. But every once in a while, I'll make a little wager here and there. I made made a couple on this little little. It was in Vegas. You got to bet. You have to bet. You're in Vegas. We got to get something. So I made some little wagers. Small ones. Now, one of them was that the that the the, uh, the Fortniteer kicker would miss an extra point. It was I, I bet I won. Okay, very uh, nice. I, I believe that this. I believed in the 
the the uh, Kansas City kicker, who I think is awesome. I mean, they, they had they had advantages in a couple of places, but at the end of the day, listen, it was it was it wasn't a good game for the first half. The second half it got better, and the last quarter and overtime were just great. And it, everybody played their hearts out. You can't say you can't say the 49ers didn't deserve to win. They 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 played really. They played all right. They played well enough to win. They just couldn't. At the end, they just couldn't beat Mahomes. Is really what it came down to. That's one guy does, in football. A play one one singular force can make a huge difference. They it can and they do. All right, Las Vegas is a Super Bowl city. It was what? As a city, yeah, uh, as a host city. Uh, they tried really hard, and they're used to having events because obviously they have so many conventions there and you know, a lot of visitors over the years. So they're used to people. This just was, it just seemed like it was just mobbed. There were just too many people and not enough city because you get on that strip and that strip is the city, right? So, you know, you don't have a lot of, uh, you know, to get from one place to the other was kind of like a nightmare. So that was difficult. Um, you know, and they, I, I did love, I did take a lot of cabs and uh, and I really enjoyed the cab drivers. They were great. The taxi drivers were just great. I didn't have one that I didn't like. I mean, they were all entertaining and interesting and had conversation and we were just, you know, fun to talk to and be with. So, I mean, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the shows. I saw Bruno Mars uh, and I saw you two. Oh, nice. I, uh, At the Sphere? Yeah, I went to the Sphere. This, I mean, I don't know how the Sphere is going to, hopefully they can stay in business. I mean, I'm not... It's a beautiful place, and the, the show was magnificent. Not, not so much you two. I mean, I was a little disappointed in them, to be honest with you, for what I just was. But I, I love the sphere. The sphere was incredible, and I, you know, but I don't know how they're going to keep up that. I mean, it's it's such a, it's got to be expensive as, as, as you know, as could be to, to put on a show like that, and the, the technology involved, and the, the precision that it takes, and the expertise that it takes to put that together. They did a great job. Nolan mm -hmm. and the group, that, that Ken Agar, and those people who put that thing together, did an amazing job with it i just don't know the finances of it how like something like that could work but you know they know better than i but uh the ticket prices you know were very high as you could imagine and, and uh but it was great to go at least the one time to see it i was glad i was able to go and see it i enjoyed it very much i didn't like i said bono was a youtube was a little disappointing they were a little uh, uh not my speed not for me and uh although i, I like them i i, I didn't they didn't play a lot of the songs that i do and i was told that they would play and they didn't and you know, I don't know. They were getting in with the audience a little bit. About the audience Interesting. Audience. Oh, wow. Wanted. Okay. So I, I found that to be a little interesting. And, you know, and, 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 and politically, I'm sorry. I, I don't go to concerts to hear politics. I, yeah. I go to concerts to hear music. I, I don't really. Have they lost uh, any speed on the fastball? A little bit, maybe. I thought maybe a little, but they're still, they're still, you know, they're still, even when they're not at their best, they're still obviously a great band. And, and yeah. Uh, deserve their place in, in rock and roll history, which is, you know, very, very large. It should be. But I was just a little disappointed because I didn't didn't play what I wanted, what I was hoping they would play. And, you know, the, and then the politics of it bothers me. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't want to hear politics. You know, you pay money and everybody's going to write to their politics. Politics should be kept personal. That's what it should be. That's my two cents on it. I really don't want to hear someone's politics. It's it's really, to me, it's about the performance. You pay for a performance, a performance, an artist owes you that. I mean, I, I, I say that even in baseball, anything. No one should be mm -hmm. political. It's not about politics. It's about entertainment, about sports, or it's about music, whatever. But it's not about, it shouldn't be about politics. But too many performers make it like that. And that to me, I'm sorry, I have a problem with that. I, I just don't respect that or or appreciate it. Maybe maybe others do, and that's up to them, and that's their right. But not, I don't feel like that way. Well, bringing it back to baseball here now, uh, while you're in Vegas, can you could you envision seeing a bright, shiny new stadium smack in the middle of the strip like the A's are hoping I saw, for. I, I mean, saw where it would go. I saw yeah. it. I passed it. 
and it was like, wow, it's a great location. I mean, it's, it's everything's right there. I mean, everything is right downtown, so it's a great location. And I just found that you know, it's I don't know. I just could I couldn't get my arms around that that the the A's would be there, but I guess they're going to be. So we'll see what happens. But uh, no, but it's a great location, and, and I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll do well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a great it's a, you know, obviously everywhere you turn it's sports and it's you know it, it's a different culture it's a different world it's it's just it's it's Vegas you know? it's a, everything they say about it is true I mean I've been to Vegas enough times to realize it and appreciate whatever it is that they sell it it's there and uh, you know you can either you know enjoy it or, or you can just you know whatnot but it's but it's a great it is a it is a very interesting and fascinating city. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, but it's not for everybody. I mean, I could see where a lot of people would not want to spend time there. But, you know, if you if you you know, you, if you're just, you know, open minded about it and just go and just enjoy it for what it is, you'll have a good time. And it's fun. And I I was with my boys and I love my boys and they, we have such a good time together. And we we've been to so many Super Bowls that we've been going on 12 or 13 that we've been together. It's a trip we take every it's just the three of us and we go and we have a good time. We enjoy each other and we uh you know, and, and we enjoyed the event, and you know, ESPN was uh, uh, hosted us. They were because we we do business with them, and they were very gracious to to me and my boys, and I really appreciate uh, their respect that they had for us and how much they uh, wanted us to have a good time, and, and and appreciated us being there. So my thanks to Norby Williamson and all the ESPN people who were so great to us. So John's trip in Vegas in the books, the NFL season's in the books, and that means baseball is here. And obviously, earlier today, Aaron Boone kicked it off with. Uh, media session number one out of 392, probably uh, happening over at George M. Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, Florida. It was a little bit of a shorter session than I was expecting for the uh, opening press conference. Few takeaways from there. I don't want to say anything major, nothing earth shattering, a couple of minor injury notes or so. But did you take away anything of note from Aaron Boone on day one of pitchers and catchers? Uh, my takeaway was actually last week because I had breakfast with him. We, we have a sort of we see each other once or twice a year. We live in the same town, and he has does some work for yes. So you know we have reason to sort of get together every now and then. So besides you know seeing him at the ballpark, which I do obviously occasionally, I uh, so we we had our breakfast together, one of the two or three that we have in the course of a year, and we talked about the team. So he was really very open. I asked him a lot of pointed questions about the team. You know, but, you know, what do you think of the team? What do you like about the team? What you don't like about the team? And at one point, he said to me, do you like the team or not? He asked me. And I said, well, I mean, there are parts of it I like a lot. I said, but there's a lot of caveats here. And he says, the caveats being, I said, you know, age and injury, you know, in, in some interesting places. You know, you have question marks at third base with the May. You, you have question marks at first base with Rizzo. You have question marks, not so much with Judge, but you, you, you want to put him in center field. I mean, he's a, he's a really great, he could play center field, obviously. He plays it well. But it's so much real estate and the risk of injury is it goes up exponentially if you're playing center field and not one of the other, you know, playing, say, right field because you've got so much more real estate. And he doesn't really pull up on balls. He plays really hard. I give him a lot of a lot of respect for Judge for playing like that. But, you know, he plays so hard. I mean, the chances of him getting hurt are, you know, are there. So, you know, that that to me is a concern. So you've got that, how Soto is going to adjust. I mean, but if they stay on the field and can stay healthy, the Yankees could be a force. Because I mean, Lemayu could bounce back. Stanton, Lemayu, Rizzo, those are three humongous question marks to me. And if they, if two of the three can give you something off the three bounce back or whatever, you've got something there. They they just do to go to go with Judge, who obviously has to stay healthy. Soto, who's, who will probably be healthy, I'm sure, but could put up 
big numbers and will be great. So the Yankee offense went from being one of the worst in baseball, which they were last year, to one of the best. I mean, they have the potential to do that. Volpe's not going to hit 209. He's going to be a better player. The year under his belt will serve him well. I don't doubt that. So the Yankees and Verdugo will help them in the outfield because they didn't, have, they didn't get a lot of help in left field last year. So the Yankees all around there. So we talked about that. We talked about the pitching. We talked about, you know, their need for another starter, you know, the bullpen, where they're going to go, anybody else into the free agent market that interests them. We talked about all that. So, but he's very positive and he's very excited, Aaron. So I, and I, I kind of share it to an extent, but I'm also very cautious about it as well. So Boone's a big breakfast guy. What's he ordering? He had uh, granola, yogurt, and he had an, an omelet. Wow. That's what he had, oatmeal and an omelet. All right. I figured it was the off season. Things are, I mean, I know it's the talent of the offseason. Things are kind of slow. Maybe, you you know, he could dip it to some pancakes or something heavier than that. But no, he, he keeps a discipline regimen. I respect that. Okay. Athletes really, see, I'm not an athlete, obviously, right? He is. And athletes just don't deviate from there. They won't always are in shape. Yeah. Every now and then, though, the cheat meal, the overindulgence is probably yeah. good for your body, though. But I mean, Bartolo Colon didn't bother him. <laughs> so, you know, it happens, right? All right. You Would you have? I granola. I, well, I'm, I'm not a, I've lost. Oh man, this was a big granola spot, huh? I've lost. Oh, it's a big granola spot. It, it's, it's it's called granola. It's a granola bar. So they, wow. oh, they got well, gave him a plug. There you go, mm -hmm. Greenwich Apple. Nice place. If you want granola? It's a breakfast place to go. That's it. It's called a granola bar. Yeah. Nice place. Uh, one thing that, and you were talking about some of these familiar names, Judge Lemayhew Rizzo. I think from his press conference earlier today, Boone made it sound like the leadoff spot is DJ LeMayhew's to lose, but he needs to show that he can produce closer to his second half numbers last year than his first. And overall, I thought, you know, Boone was, was accurate when he said that he feels that uh, the Yankees are an elite offense again. And that goes with the moves that they made this off season. He said that he thinks the Yankees are in a much better depth position than he expected, given what they had to give up in some recent trades. And I feel like that's been pretty much the entire off season. Like, hey, acquire Juan Soto, and then restock your depth organizationally. A big emphasis on the pitching side, but let's just try and spend the rest of the offseason on the depth. That's that's where we're at. In fact, since the press conference concluded, they traded for another lefty pitching arm who could potentially uh, make some appearances in the bullpen. Clayton Andrew, they just acquired him from Milwaukee. They uh, agreed to a contract with Lou Trevino. I know he said in the press conference that he wasn't under contract. Apparently there were reports saying that Trevino is now under contract. So things are, are fluid here uh, over in Yankee camp at the start. But I think them building up their depth was pretty much like the second half of their offseason after acquiring Juan Soto. And there was one uh, other notable thing along the ride. And that was, uh, that was a, getting, Marcus Stroman signing him to a, a three-year deal. Overall, though, this has been a really hushed last month or so of the baseball offseason, not just with the Yankees, but as it pertains to this team, do you think we're going to be seeing a notable signing or trade before the end of spring training? You know, I, I you know, the thing that intrigues me is Snell because – I don't know that I would, you know, because depending on the money, depending on the years, I mean, depending on what the, they ask for is what the Yankees are willing to do. I, I don't know. I But I will say this. I, I, I When he's right, and he's won two Cy Young Awards. I mean, you got two Cy Young Awards. Not many pitchers win two Cy Young Awards in a career. And, you know, especially spaced a few years in between. It tells you, you know, what he's got. 
he walks a lot of batters. He throws a lot of pitches. But at the end of the day, he doesn't give up a lot of runs. But he only gives gives you five innings usually. So you know, do you is that what you want? Do you want a starter that's going to give you basically five innings, maybe a little bit more on occasion, but not much more? That means you got to tax your bullpen, you got to further it out. But you know, but he can shut you down for that five innings and change. I mean, he's got the WAR to show it. He's got the ERA to show it. You know, and he's you know he's a good guy apparently, so he fit the clubhouse. But but you know, but I don't. If that's if that's if that's the best we can do, then you might have to do it because the Yankees are definitely need another starter. I don't see any way that the that the, I mean it's the, another starter is going to make a big difference in how that how that team performs. You know, if Rodon Rodon looks good, apparently is what I've been told with 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 uh, Aaron Boone told me it looks pretty good. So I mean, I'll take his word on it that he does that that he's you know in shape and, and looks pretty good. And if he could bounce back to go with Cole. You know, that, and that could be a one-two, and you could get a Snell. Say you get a Snell, you know, and you say, okay, wow. And then you're Nestor, you're hoping for Nestor because of the injury situation. And you've got, and you've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman. So the Yankees could be pretty solid in their in their starters. Bullpen, you know, we talked about, I always said Loisica to me is the key. I mean, you need mm-hmm. him. He's such a weapon when he's right, but he's been hurt. You know, so but if he could come back and pitch to any kind of effectiveness at all, you know, you've got that. You've got Holmes. I mean, I don't love Holmes at the end. I, I, that's my opinion. I I think he's he's capable, and I think he's at occasion been really good. And there are times he hasn't been good. At times he's just inconsistent. And I think you need a rock at the end. You need a solid close. That's why I was hoping for Hater because I really like Hater, and I think he would really help the team. But you look, you can't get everybody you want, and then so they're gonna they're gonna have to figure it out. And but, but then somebody's gonna have to step up to help the bullpen. Although I think they have some depth, they have some arms, but they need they need somebody who can be more dominance. They need another they need another somebody in that bullpen is going to you know make them stronger. So I think they need help there. They need another starter, but their offense should be able to score runs. And if any of those players that are, were question marks become exclamation points, then the Yankees could be something else. They really could have a strong year. That's that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I think what we've seen so far with with the bullpen, especially, and we got the news that Scott Efros had back surgery in December. That was a guy who had a question mark over his head as he was coming back from Tommy John surgery. Now the Yankees don't expect him back until the summer, so he's a non-factor at this point. But I just think it it means that there could be one or two bullpen roles that are up for grabs this spring, and they're going to be grabbed by a name that's not on any of our radars at the moment, much like it has been in the past. And I think the Yankees, whether they've resigned to this or this was their plan all along, they're going to, they're going to operate off their track record that they can get the most out of these bullpen arms and uncover an unhidden gem. And that will play a big piece in, in the bullpen. I still think it would be great to have another starter. I'm sure uh, a fan of any team in baseball would say the same. So, um, yeah, you, you talked about Blake Snell. He's one of the guys out of the Boris Bunch. Snell, Jordan Montgomery, there's Cody Bellinger still out there, Matt Chapman. Uh, you are not even hearing any rumors about interested teams or what the general sense is around those players at this moment. Spring training is starting. And I'm wondering if we're getting to the point here where we might see one or more of these players sign shorter-term deals with multiple opt-outs or even just one-year deal. Though I think that's kind of hard to fathom with the one-year deal. But overall, I think it's to the point where these players and Scott Boris, they need to get creative. We've been proven wrong in the past. You see a lot of spring training deals from Boris clients happen. What are your thoughts on 
these specific players and Scott Boris, perhaps needing to get creative here? Well, this is called in the business a pillow. This is a pillow. You see that? Okay. A pillow contract is what I see happening. That means a soft landing. That means a year. That means you're not getting the term that you want or maybe the money that you're looking for. So, you know, you'll you'll make it nice for a year. There'll be there'll be a lot of interest in any of these players for a year. The, you know, they're talking about the position players, the Bellingers and the Chapmans and those guys. They'll be interested in them for a year. You know, so they can go anywhere they want to go for a year, pretty much. They make a deal one year. It's not a long time. You know, the money would be, you know, whatever it is. It'll probably be a little bit more than they're, they're, they're making, but not as much as they really want to make. And then they'll have to sacrifice so they'll take for a year and then they'll revisit the market to see what the market's like in a year for their services. It's called a pillow contract. That's what I really think is going to happen here because if there, if it hasn't been an interest in a long-term deal in these guys, it's because the money's just, the ask is too much. Although Boris really knows what he's doing. He's one of the, he's one of the, he's the top agent in the game. There's no question he is. And, and he's got the track record to prove it. I mean, how many clients he's got and how well he's served them. That's not a, that's not it. It's the, this is the, the sort of the economic situation of the game right now, TV money, not coming into a lot of the teams uh, the, that had the money before because of the, some of the RSNs sort of, uh, did, sort of collapsing. And so that's been an interesting state in the economics of the game. So you've seen that and, you know, that lends itself to uh, that, that. And there's other reasons as well, but I just don't see the teams who haven't, the players who are still out there, they're going to stay out there. I mean, they'll make deals because they're, they're players and they're good players and they're players that teams would want to have, but they're not going to be long-term deals because it's not enough to, to satiate the player and it's the, the ask will be too much for the teams. So you'll see pillow deals. You'll see the one-year deals. That's what I think is going to happen. One-year deal, I feel like, is is like the, the other end of the extreme here because I keep thinking back to the deal like Carlos Correa signed with the Twins a few years back. It was three years. I think it was a hundred, just over a hundred million. But he had opt outs after the first and the second seasons. He didn't yeah. necessarily have a, a one year deal there, but nevertheless, they're both pillow contracts, whether it's one year or multiple years with options in each year. Could you see the Yankees maybe having renewed interest in uh, a Blake Snell? Maybe even a Jordan Montgomery, but more so so with with Snell because it takes two to dance here. If he took uh, a similar deal like a Carlos Correa did a few years back, yeah, I mean, I could see. You know, there was a re report that he turned down. It was, it was reportedly anyway that he turned down uh, fifty. I'm sorry, thirty million a year for it was like a three year or it was a five year deal for one hundred fifty million dollars. It's a lot of money. You know, thirty million a year is a substantial amount of money. It's not what Cole gets. You know, Cole gets thirty-seven or thirty-eight million a year. So you know, but but you know, I don't think I don't, honestly I like Snell, but I don't think he's the same. He's as, as valuable as Cole, not even close. So, but I do think he has value, and I do think he's he's at at, at his. I mean, he's a, he's a number two or a number one, depending on what team you put him on. The problem is again the innings, and you know, there are just there are things about his game that I just don't love. Um, that's why he's not, he hasn't been signed by now because there are questions about his game, especially when you're talking about that kind of money and those kind of years. And that he wanted more than the, he wanted about seven or eight years or whatever he wanted. And the Yankees offered apparently uh, reportedly, I don't know that it's totally true, but reportedly offered him five at 30. So each, so that's one fifty. It's a lot of money. 
And uh, there are other teams, I'm sure, that made similar. There's, there's been other offers, I'm sure, but it's not close to what Boros is looking for. And he's going to try and hold them out to see how close he can get to what he wants. And as the time clicks away, some team will get hurt. Sometimes all of a sudden, a team that had an ace will lose an ace and say, well, I need I need somebody who could, might be able to fill the number one slot for me. I said, I got to go for Snell because the best we got out there or else we could have a, we could have a, a blown season. So there, there's going to be situations like that that will come up. That's why spring training is so interesting. But I always talk about this one thing about spring training around the other time. You the teams that win always get help from unexpected places. It always happens. You got to somebody's going to come through your system that you didn't think would be able to make your team as a pitcher or as a position player, and all of a sudden they have a great spring and they open some eyes and you put them on the team and they perform and they do really well. Or somebody you just weren't counting on from your roster. I think we'd be okay. He's going to have an okay year, and he has a great year, and you didn't expect it. That's what the Yankees need. They're going to need some help from unexpected places, and that that's what I mean about the the the, the three the, the Stanton the LeMayu and Rizzo situations because they're going to have to have help from someplace in there. They have to, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, I, I think the Yankees were smarter, by the way, to hold on to Spencer Jones. I think Spencer Jones is a great prospect. And I think that, and, and they also have the Martian. So you get the Martian coming sort of in the middle of the summer, which I think will really help the Yankees a lot because I, I don't think he was just five homers in a weak guy. I think he's a real player. And I think uh, from what I've seen, he really is. And I think Spencer Jones is going to be a real player too. So the Yankees, you know, have some hope in some of these other players that they're not counting on yet. But the Martian could make an impact on them, especially with the, given their outfield situation. If there's any injuries, the Martian could have a huge impact on the future of the Yankees, and even as soon as this year. Yeah, I'm really high on Jason Dominguez. Uh, Spencer Jones, look, Yankee fans love playing revisionist history. And Spencer Jones is now part of that equation in a roundabout way because report, reports were saying that Spencer Jones was the piece the Yankees were reluctant to give up in a potential trade for Corbin Burns. And what happens? The Brewers send Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. And we've talked about this earlier this offseason, how much Burns would really help any starting staff, but he would look terrific in the Yankees rotation. He and Cole are a double-headed monster snake that would just rip through the American League. Now, I still think that the Yankees made the biggest improvements to their overall roster out of any American League team this entire offseason. I thought the Royals and the Mariners might be the next two teams. But the Orioles, John, they have had the best offseason. And you might be yeah. asking, hey, what's, what's yeah. the difference? Well, the Orioles won 101 games last year, so it's really tough to improve a 101 win team and in fact they may be better than last year but may win fewer games and if that makes sense they could be better yes. by winning fewer yes. than 100 games they, but by but trading for corbin burns they they kind of have a clear identity here and they have an ace now at yes. the start of spring training do you see baltimore as the team to beat in the al yes i do because of burns and also, I think Jackson Holiday would probably make the team and mm -hmm. the best prospect in baseball. Or that's what I hear. That's what I'm told. That he's the best prospect in the game. You know, you take the best prospect in the game, you put him on that team with the with the young nucleus of talent, the position players that they have, and you get an elite starting pitcher to become your ace. They're better. They're just they're going to be better. They're not going to be. They're going to grow from the nucleus that they had, which was extremely strong, young, great talent. And now you add another great young talent in Jackson Holiday, and then you add a Burns to Corbin Burns, and you say who's one of the best pitchers in the game. They're going to be better. There's no doubt they're going to be better. And I think they'll be the team to beat in the American League East. 
That's not to say that the Yankees are, can't give them a run for their money if everything breaks right for them, or that the Yankees won't be in the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. They'd be a wild card and do well. So, I mean, I think the Yankees make the playoffs for sure. I do. They're a playoff team. They they were, they were are and they should be. Uh, and they could be better than that if everything breaks right for them and things don't break as well for the Orioles. But on paper, the Orioles are certainly, I think, at the chalk right now. Yeah, and uh, look, once you play the games, all of this is out the window because – Certain young players can regress in year two or year three. Like we said, the Yankees, it's really hard to envision another year like last year happening for a second season in a row. All that's into the pot, and all of it has to be sorted out once the games begin. But as of right now, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Corbin Burns heading that Baltimore rotation. I, I just keep thinking like there's that experience, all-star, arguably one of the best pitchers in the game. And uh, now he's in the division with the Yankees can make things a lot tougher uh, for the Yankees and everybody else involved in the AL East. All right. That's going to pretty much wrap it up here. Anything else that you want to touch on before we land the plane? Uh, let's see before I land the plane, anything else I want to touch on? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I think we I'm pretty sanguine. I love that word sanguinity, <laughs> sanguinity here today. Uh, no, I'm sanguine that we've touched uh, on the appropriate bases and uh, getting ready. Pitchers and catchers are here. Varon has had his uh, annual, uh, you know, uh, the meeting with the press or op op opening meeting with the press. And uh, I think that's was fun and was fun to listen to. It's exciting to have baseball back. Football's over. It's time for baseball. And, and uh, I think that Yankees are going to have an exciting year, you know, and I, I think they could go pretty far. And I, I'm, I'm optimistic that they will go far. But, you know, they've got challenges. And the challenges have to be overcome. Like I said, the, the question marks have to become exclamation points. But I really think they have a chance at that happening. So we'll see how it goes. And excitement certainly in the air. Pitchers and catchers have reported Aaron Boone's full press conference in the books. By the way, you can catch that full press conference if you missed it over on the Yes app. Final episode of Yankees Hot Stove airing tonight after the Nets. And then spring training games are here. February 25th, the first Yes telecast. Sunday, February 25th over at GMS in Tampa. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Curtain Call. For John J. Filippelli, our terrific producer, Dan Bassone. this is Justin Shackle. Thanks for listening to another episode, and we'll be back as spring training rolls along here ahead of the 2024 season. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.